You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome to another edition of the Drive Time Show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. Today is Wednesday, the fifth of October 2022 with your usual Wednesday afternoon drive time show presenters uh, myself uh, Sharjeel Ahmed uh, and also of course Dr. Tariq Wajwa here with us as well Asalaamu Alaikum Wajah Sahib peace be on you and all our listeners uh, welcome and uh, I think it's getting a, a bit dry now yeah. and, yeah. and uh, 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 you can like feel a, a bit uh, a few showers here and there. A few showers here and there yeah. as well. You, you can feel the weather, you know, sort of the, the temperature declining, going down, getting cold. Yeah, uh, just preparing ourselves preparing mentally ourselves. for the autumn. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, two main topics that we're going to be speaking about in today's uh, Drive Time show. Firstly, in the first part of the show, we are going to be speaking about air pollution and uh, something in particular uh, how it triggers uh, lung cancer and different things which are related to that as well how sometimes you may not even know but we are we are polluting the air and uh, that's something which is quite serious something which needs to be spoken about and uh, as i mentioned sometimes we might not even know we might not even be aware that you know some of our actions are causing pollution in the air and that's why we have dedicated, or we're doing a show in, uh, to, to, you know, about that as well. Um, towards the second part of the show, uh, towards the latter part of the show, we're going to be speaking about teachers, um, and so that's something very, which is very interesting as well. Transforming education uh, as well to, you know, to 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 the next generation, to other people as well. Uh, we have uh, some different guests that we're going to be speaking to to. Uh, today as well so hopefully it will be a, a very interesting and jam-packed show if you want to get in touch with us if you want to contribute to the show uh, if you want to voice your opinion or ask us any questions uh, or any questions that you know that that you want to ask to any of our guests that we that we're going to be speaking to as well the number to call in is zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight now Cancer is a is a, it's sort of you know if one someone says cancer it's a, it's a generic term for a long group of um, for a large group of diseases that can affect sort of you know virtually any any part of the body and one defining feature of cancer is when abnormal cells divide in an uncontrolled way and which um, can then invade adjoining parts of the body and spread to other organs as well. One part of the body gets affected it increases it gets more you know it gets it gets more the situation gets uh, more severe and then it it doesn't need to be it doesn't even need to be passed on but it does get passed on to other uh, organs as well for it to you know have a proper effect on you as well and you know we 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 know the side effects of that can be can be lethal now there are more than 200 types of cancers then the most common types of cancer are breast cancer lung cancer uh, and uh, um, uh, colorectal cancer now there's different <coughs> as you know as I mentioned there's different types there's 200 different types and it can you know it can affect different parts of the body so cancer that begins in the lungs is called primary lung cancer in 2019 around 300,000 lung cancer related uh, mortalities were actually attributed to particulate matter in the air. However, 
the role of air pollution in triggering cancer and you know in, in, in triggering cancer and causing DNA mutation was unclear up until now. Now there, there has been some <coughs> research, isn't it? That has, that has gone into that has gone into this as well. A lot of research, a lot of new discoveries, uh, many different things. Research at the at the Forensic uh, Crick Institute in London have actually cracked down very small pollutant particles in air, which leads to cancer in people who who, who you know who never even smoked. And they said that the breakthrough marked a new era of molecular cancer prevent, prevention and makes us rethink how tumors are actually formed study has revealed study has revealed that very small pollutant particles in the air promote the growth of cells in the lungs carrying cancer which you know causes these mutations as well now this is uh, <coughs> i think this is uh, this is a big step in in science actually that you know people uh, are able to identify that there are uh, there, there is a relationship mm. between the, um, the pollution and a uh, you know cause of cancer and uh, the there are mutants the pollutants small pollutant particles they can be they can cause mutations uh, mutation is what cancer is and uh, uh, and I think that uh, also answers to many, many of the people who used to come to uh, to me in the clinic, and they would say, uh, particularly those who were identified to have a lung cancer, and they were they never smoked, and they were, you know, many times they would be very angry, and they would say, "Oh, doctor, I never smoked," you know, I didn't, and and uh, for a long time uh, it was thought that it could be, uh, you know, a passive smoking could be responsible for that because they didn't have an answer why someone who is not a smoker, um, <coughs> who is, uh, why is he having a primary lung cancer? Uh, the primary lung cancer, of, obviously, is the one which originates within the within the lungs, uh, and and obviously there are two types of tissues in the lungs, and mm-hmm. it can it can originate from I, either of them, and uh, <coughs> it is the genes. You know uh, about cancer. I have always wondered that <coughs> when you look at our body, our cells. Many of the cells, apart from the the, uh, the nerve cells, uh, and there are a few other cells, uh, they are all the time changing. Mm. They are being replaced. You, you see um, your lung mucosa, your intestinal mucosa. Mucosa is that, like the inner lining of the of the single layer of cells, mm. and they are being replaced because they mm. are uh, they are being uh, um, damaged and they are being repaired and they are b- being replaced. Mm. Your blood cells are being replaced all the time. All the time, yeah. Um, every time, and one just wonders when when the cells are dividing. Yeah, obviously you don't even realize. I mean, obviously, uh, cells are uh, being replaced. They have mm. a lot of chance that uh, one they can mutate they can change uh, the the pattern the normal pattern and the normal dna ha- can have changes and uh, the other thing is uh, that uh, a normal cell and that's the difference between the cancer cell and the normal cell is the normal cell when it is re- replaced you know it, it is supposed to replace a certain area mm. when it has replaced it stops growing it will not divide any further mm. 
there is a, a natural it knows when to stop mm. uh, but the cancer cell refuses to stop there and it continues to grow and that is what makes it mm. uh, cancer and that's why Dangerous. you yeah. know the satan is uh, related to that because it doesn't know the limits it doesn't stop mm. it it goes beyond the limits mm. so there is an Ar- arabic word called baghye baghye means that bagawat mm. that's uh, yeah. rebel so so this is this is how the cancer behaves so the cancer cells <coughs> they do not obey the law they go beyond that and, and that's why they are called um, they, that's why they are so dangerous because they use up the rights of the the others they use up the rights of the normal cells and they will take away everything all the nutrients and and start using and and obviously cause a lot of uh, uh, trouble uh, to the people who are who suffer from cancers yeah absolutely i mean we'll, i mean we'll, we'll get some more information about this you know as 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 we progress uh, along this show as well let's uh, speak to our guest who is on the line with us san james is the head of the respiratory research department at uco and director of the lung cancer board of london cancer as well peace be upon you good morning uh, good afternoon sorry and welcome to the show uh, good afternoon. Uh, nice to talk to you. Thank you so much for for being here with us. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about your your research in uh, detecting early lung cancers with the role of uh, stem cells in its uh, in its treatment? Yeah. So we've we, we've got sort of uh, two areas of research we're exploring at the moment. The the first is actually just screening for cancers using CT scanning. Um, so scans of the chest. And we've run a large trial called Summit in um, North Central and East London. Mm. Uh, we've screened 13,000 people, actually. Um, and we've really shown that CT screening is both feasible, um, affordable, and it really works. So we we believe we may have saved perhaps 200 lives acro- across that part of London over the last two to three years. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's really good. Um, lung cancer is, you know, w- one of the most common types of cancers. And with research like yours in developing therapies for early lung cancer detection and with NHS introducing lung cancer screenings, h- how do you believe we can help prevent or treat this disease among people? Yeah, so so I think that the, the, with lung cancer, the, the big problem with lung cancer is that it often presents quite late in its course. Hmm. So what, what does that mean? That, that means you've many people may have had a lung cancer for three, four, five, or even six years before they develop a cough or before the cancer spreads elsewhere. So, so in my hospital clinic, often, you know, it, it, if I'm asked to see 10 patients by GPs, Sadly, perhaps seven or eight of those will have cancer that's spread. So those cancers we can still treat, but we can no longer cure. But with early detection and with CT screening in particular, what we can do is is turn that around. So we can actually find maybe seven or eight cancers out of 10 really early when they can be cured. So, so I think early detection and the CT screening is really key for the future. And the good news is that actually the National Screening Committee, they, they have approved lung cancer screening. So we're hoping that over the next two, three, four years, 
the government will begin to roll out CT screening across the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what are your thoughts on the latest research in, in air pollution triggering, triggering lung cancer and the potential idea of having a lung cancer blocking pill? Yeah, this, this is really interesting research. So while smoking causes most lung cancers, actually there are 6,000 people um, a year in the UK that get lung cancer who have never smoked. Wow. And, and we've long not really understood this, so we've assumed that it might be passive smoking or secondhand smoke hmm. um, or maybe other things. Um, but we've often wondered about pollution and actually some work from University College London recently by Charles Swanton and his team have shown for the first time that pollution might encourage cells that are damaged in the lung to grow. And, and, and that might be the cause of cancer in people that have never smoked. And so why are these cells damaged? Well, they're, they're damaged. We can get damaged cells in our lungs for lots of reasons. Um, but then it's the pollution that allows them to grow. And what he suggests in his research, and fantastic research by his team, is that you might be able to stop those cells growing. So there seems to be a particular sort of factor in in the blood that means these cells are encouraged to grow. So he's interested in looking at that in the future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, as amazing as this discovery is, would a pill for people living in heavily polluted areas would that would that be effective? Would that suffice for them? Yeah, so I think I, I suppose that's where the thinking is with the the pollution. If we know that it's just this one one sort of factor that causes these cells to grow up, maybe mm. we could block that. Yeah. And there's really interestingly been been there is a drug that does do that, and it it's been trialed actually to try and stop heart attack. And whilst it didn't work for that, it, they did see that they had lower numbers of lung cancers. Hmm. So my suspicion is that actually the next step will be a trial trying this drug to try and stop lung cancers forming. But I think at the moment it's still too early to suggest that people should take that drug. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, apart from apart from quitting smoking, are there any other lifestyle changes that people can that people can actually implement? to avoid diseases as serious as lung cancer. I mean, you said that there are so many people, thousands of people who don't even smoke, who have who, or who develop lung cancer. So is there anything that you know, the public can do to actually keep themselves safe? Yep. So, I mean, certainly avoiding secondhand smoke as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if somebody in your family does smoke or that you share a house with, do try and encourage them to smoke outside. Yeah. Um, don't let people smoke inside a car because particularly mm. if there are children, you know, that they're, they're breathing in that smoke. And then there's um, air pollution. So, you know, I think we all have to be, you know, lobbying our government to try and reduce air pollution, um, cut down on, on diesel cars, particularly in cities and things, all of which actually are, are happening and the government is trying to do at the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Sam, is there, is there any, obviously, um, uh, the lung cancer screenings uh, have not come up yet, but um, obviously they would have a certain criteria. Uh, who would be the people who would foot fit into it? Is it that an age criteria? Is it any? And the other thing which came to my mind is that, uh, obviously, we are, we are going to expose people to CT scan, which is a radiation, which is also... Uh, like some factor which is which can cause cancer as well. So obviously that must have been looked at. So uh, can you give an idea? Do you have an idea of what sort of criteria would there be? Yes. Yeah, so, so two really important points. So the first with the screening criteria, I think the UK is likely, it, it's all to do with your risk of detecting detecting the lung cancer and and that's important because obviously CT screening is quite expensive and there is a low 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 dose of radiation so we're, we're likely to invite people between the ages of 55 to 77 something like that hmm. and they will fit will end up doing a questionnaire to to look at their overall risk and that risk will include smoking so probably only smokers would be invited and even then actually quite heavy smokers, maybe people that have smoked a pack a day for 20 years or more. So so relatively high risk. The, the second question is really important because people do worry about scanners and radiation. Uh, the new scanners that we've used in our trial, for example, in the summit trial, they're, they're ultra low dose uh, CT scanners. So the radiation dose is incredibly low. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I'm chatting with my patients, what I sort of describe the radiation dose as is about the same as a long haul flight. So, um, and, and you know, most of us don't think twice before, before making a long, long haul flight. So, you know, it's, a, it, 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 it's really low dose radiation. And and certainly for this age group, I, I don't really think there's a, a big risk to that. Another thing was that the, the statistics, obviously, you, you must have access. Does it show that the people living in the polluted areas and people living in the better uh, countries pollution-wise, is there a difference of incidence of lung cancer? So, so there is. So, so lung cancer is related to smoking, number one. Yeah. So the, the higher the smoking rate, the more the lung cancer. Um, in, in the same study, actually, Professor Swanton's study, they looked at global pollution and global lung cancer rates and did find a relationship. So the more, and it's, it's to do with what we call particulate matter, PM, of a, a tiny kind, so 2.5 micrometers. So tiny, tiny, tiny little particles in the air. Yeah. Uh, and they saw the higher the levels of that pollution, the, the PM 2.5, the, the higher the levels of lung cancer. Right, that's great. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, that's uh, um, really, um, people will benefit out of it. And I, obviously, um, it has increased my knowledge in particular. <laughs> I'm happy about great. that. Uh, too. And it's, uh, it's a good news that, you know, that uh, we are able to address this issue and people can have screening and avoid uh, something which is preventable. Yeah, it's really great news, really great news. Yeah. So, so to all those people out there, you know, do look out over the coming years for invitations because it's really important.
Thank you very much, uh, Sam, for joining us. All right, us thank segment. you. Nice speaking to you. Bye. Nice. Bye. So, yeah, I mean, it is it is uh, very encouraging as well that, you know, with new research, these things are coming as well. But I think the precautions also need to be there, isn't it? That's you know, you when uh, when our head of the community, you know, he was hmm. he was living here in London, hmm. and uh, is is about four years, I think, he moved uh, to Islamabad. Uh, hmm. uh, I was uh, 19, uh, 2019, I, I believe. Eighteen. Eighteen or nineteen? Nineteen. Uh, yes, yeah, something, something like that. Yeah. Uh, she, I was, I was. I was not happy about it because he was <laughs> living in, in next to you know uh, I was living next to where he he used to live and uh, we used to have uh, opportunity to say prayers behind him and a lot of blessings mm. associated. But now with this news, uh, I'm I'm quite happy that he moved out because he's in much a better, less much polluted better, area yeah. and yeah, that's uh, true. much that's better true. area in Islamabad. Uh, An open area, greenery. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So no, and, and less pollution. Less, less pollution. pollution. So, exactly. So I think. Uh, that also uh, would inspire many people to to think of moving out in you know out in the as uh, the country or the yeah the country as well yeah definitely now with the you know with all of this there are some st- statistics as well um, you know which are you know quite quite alarming but also quite important for everyone to know as well um, this is uh, obviously of statistics of uh, cancer and lung cancer around the world and in the UK now. There were an estimated 18.1 million cancer cases globally in 2020. Nearly 10 million deaths occurred due to cancer worldwide in 2020. And there were around 375,000 new cases of cancer every year in the UK. Around 167,000 deaths occur from cancer every year in the UK. A lung cancer amounts to 2.21 million cases worldwide and around 1.8 uh, million uh, 1.8 million deaths. A lung cancer alone in the UK accounts for 48,549 cases and 34,771 deaths. Now, leading causes of can- lung cancer has been attrib- uh, attributed to to smoking and but interestingly lung cancer amounts for 300,000 deaths globally in non-smokers as well and our previous uh, our guest Sam Sam James just said also that there are people who don't smoke there are people who have never smoked they develop lung cancer as well and she said that some re- some research which was done in UCL that maybe some damaged cells or particles in the in the lungs and then the, the, the air pollution is such that it increases those type of damaged cells as well. And that, that is what increases or that is what develops the cancer to, to actually increase as well. <coughs> now, when discussing lung cancer in non-smokers, the term non-smoker or never smoker casually refers to individuals who have smoked less than 100 cigarettes in their lives. And if, if, you, if you have never puffed on a cigarette in your life you may think you won't get lung cancer and the odds of avoiding lung cancer are in your favor however you know we've just said and we've spoken about this that the cases of non-smokers getting lung cancer are also increasing as well now with the overall rates of lung cancer and tobacco smoking declining the evaluation of lung cancer in non-smokers has become of uh, of clinical interest actually and several studies have suggested that lung cancer in non-smokers is different from both a biological 
and epidemiologic epidemiologic perspective, such as you know, it, it should be looked at as a completely distinct entity. And again, we can you know we can uh, obviously you know come to the teachings of Islam as well. What the Holy Quran says in regards to this, chapter twenty-two, verse sixty-seven states that and he it is who gave you life then he will cause you to die then he will give you life again surely man is most ungrateful and in another verse Allah the Almighty mentions in verse 19 of chapter 16 and if you try to count the favors of Allah you will not be able to number them surely Allah is most forgiving merciful all these things which uh, you know God Almighty has given us has provided to us we should be when we look at that. this uh, verse, and there is another verse that Allah has obviously, all the time, Allah says uh, it's in chapter um, Al Isra, that's uh, Bani, also called Bani Israel, uh, chapter 82. It says that, uh, and we send down from the verses of the Quran something that can be shifa, that can be cure, and a mercy to those who believe when the Quran did not increase loss than those who do wrong. Hmm. So, um, it is astonishing that you know all the time there are things happening around us and if we look at uh, sort of logically then we, we, we think that the incidence of disease would be much more than it is happening and it is because Allah has provided um, us with the uh, protection all the time. Mm. He's the one there who is looking after us and he has um, developed such ecological systems that uh, there are naturally so many things happening without us being even aware of them, mm. which are taking away uh, the sources of illness and disease from us and protecting us from lots of things which can cause disease to us. So it is, uh, it is uh, we suffer only when we cross limits and, uh, and we are exposed too much uh, with with our own mistakes. For example, where does the pollution come from? You know, it is man-made. It is not God Almighty. If you if you, if you look at the ecological systems and and you live in the uh, atmosphere where it it has not been polluted, obviously you are not exposed to such dangers. Which now we are discovering hmm. that we are living in in uh, in a dangerous atmosphere which we have created ourselves. So this Francis Crick has described the latest findings on air pollution triggering lung cancer as a breakthrough marking a new era. And the team has showed that rather than causing damage or mutation to lung cells directly, air pollution uh, was waking up old damaged cells. Mm. So what it, what it means is that those cells, they were already damaged and they had a potential that they could change, they could mutate. Mm. And the, these pollutants, what they are doing is they are actually waking them up. They are, you know, m making them to convert into cancer cells. Right. That's, that's what is happening. So, um, and the simple uh, explanation for that is that the classical view of cancer starts with a healthy cell. It acquires more and more mutations in its generic code or uh, what is called DNA until it reaches a tipping point. And then it becomes a cancer and grows uncontrollably. 
But there are some problems with this idea that cancerous mutations are found in seemingly healthy tissue, and many substances known to cause cancer, including air pollution, don't seem to damage people's DNA. Then Allah the Almighty has provided us life on a planet that is safely and securely placed from the negative impacts of ozone layer, distance from the sun, etc. And he has commanded us to look after the earth he has provided us with. And one of the commandments of Allah is that we walk humbly on this earth. And that way we can sustain our future generations as well as keep true to our belief on him. Mm. and fulfill our purpose to worship him. Mm. As Allah has said, um, it's chapter 51, verse 57, and I have not created the jinn and the men, but they worship me. And also Allah says, and the two servants of the gracious God are those who walk on the earth humbly. That's chapter 1964. That means that, uh, you know, when are you when you are walking on this earth, you should be humble in the sense that you should be thankful to God Almighty who has provided you with this kind of earth and the atmosphere where you can survive and flourish and you can uh, so also it uh, as a thanks to God Almighty we should also uh, behave in such a manner that we do not cause damage to the atmosphere of the earth mm. and leave it safe for the others to live here uh, particularly the generations to come hmm. exactly. and, and, and make it safe for ourselves as well. Exactly, exactly. You know, some people being selfish, you know, you know, if there's a, you know, if there's a small journey that you can just, just simply just uh, walk there or take a bike there, people choose to take their cars there. And sometimes you see that some, there are some celebrities, uh, quite famous celebrities as well, you know, even if they want to travel to the same city somewhere else, or even in a different, close by city, or a different state, they will just take the take take the private jets, and uh -huh. you know how much air pollution that uh, that causes as well. But let's get our next guest, who is on, who's on the line with us, Jenny Bates, the friends of the Earth campaigner, climate, transport, and air pollution. Good afternoon. Welcome to the show. Hi. Peace be upon you. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for for joining us this afternoon. Now, whilst we know that air pollution is, is a huge crisis for us and we're all breathing in the same air. However, there are, are there any particular sort of socio-economic groups who suffer more from air pollution? Well, yes, um, uh, there are, sadly. Um, and although you say we're all breathing the same air, we're all breathing air, but hmm. um, it isn't actually all the same everywhere. Hmm. There are problems across the whole country um, and there, there are two or three pollutants that are a particular concern. There's a toxic gas called nitrogen dioxide, um, and there's many areas that are sailing current legal limits at the moment, and the new World Health Organization guidelines, um, actually most of the country, most of the neighborhoods around the country are sailing on that. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so, no, sorry, actually, that the, most of the country is standing on, on another one, which is small particles, which are the most dangerous because they can get deep into your lungs and from there into your bloodstream. So we have got a problem, 
but there are big differences in fact between the, the different areas and cities are generally worse than urban areas but hmm. there are there is at least one one other pollutant um, which can be worse in rural areas for, for rather complicated reasons um, but within even within cities um, some of the most disadvantaged economically um, are the worst hit with, with living with worse air pollution and that can be because they're more likely to live on or near main roads where air pollution is worse and actually that's um, sort of doubly bad because some of those people are least likely to own a car so they're not contributing to the problem hmm. but they are worse hit by it um, and in terms of ethnic uh, minorities and people of colour new data that Friends of the Earth has, has just been um, sort of data crunching shows that actually people of colour are three times more likely to live in areas where World Health Organization standards for, for one or, or two of the, two of the most important pollutants are, are double the, the World Health Organization standards. And, and that is, you know, that is a, a real problem. And, and overall, if you average um, those neighborhoods, ethnic minorities uh, make up nearly half of those, 44% of those, whereas um, the actual percentage of ethnic minority people in the country is 16%. So they're much more disproportionately more likely to live in those bad, badly polluted um, neighbourhoods. And, it, and it, so it is, it, it's, it's economically deprived people, it's ethnic people, um, and, but also it's, it's interesting that people in vehicles can be, can be badly hit. So mm. people who take their children to school in cars think that they're protecting them, but actually air pollution in vehicles can be worse than, than, than if you're walking or cycling the same street. And another category of people who are particularly hit is outdoor workers. So, you know, because again of, of where road, road traffic and, and pollution is bad, that can be um, affecting people particularly. Um, so yes, there are there are there are lots of lots of um, uh, problems and, and health conditions, short term uh, heart attacks and strokes, and longer term respiratory and other diseases. And and some again, some of the most vulnerable, like our children, they are badly affected because their lungs are still developing, and they can actually grow up smaller if, if, if they if, if they grow up where air is bad um, and elderly people who may have existing conditions they are also particularly affected so yeah it's sadly we're not all equal when it comes to bad air although air pollution as i say is a problem right across the country um mm. for, for 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 various pollutants yeah um does does fracking make a make a difference or may, make air pollution worse Yes, there are implications from fracking um, for air pollution, um, but it's you know fracking's a problem for lots of uh, reasons, including um, sort of seismic events and generally, uh, you know the the whole fossil fuel thing. It's just the last thing we need is to be sort of digging up or or, or extracting and burning more fossil fuels. So a lot of the um, the problems for air pollution is about combustion, is about burning and fossil fuels. So there's a big correlation between climate change and air pollution in terms of the problems and the, the, the sources and the, the solutions. So we need mm. to stop burning fossil fuels. Um, and so, yeah, uh, there are big correlations there. Now, 
stopping stop um, sort of uh, burning fossil fuels of course you know it would be ideal if we did that but in reality can sustainable ways of reducing air pollution and heavily industrialization in cities which is you know at times it's, it's necessary as well can that can that co- coexist well yes i mean it can and it should and it must so hmm. certainly industrial uh, industrialization so uh, air pollution emissions from industry is only one sort of part of a mix of sources of these particles that I mentioned which are the most dangerous because they can get deep into our lungs and from there into our bloodstream and our organs um, and other other sources of these particles are wood burning farming but also from road traffic from exhaust and also actually all road traffic produces these particles um, from brake and tire wear so electric vehicles are only part of the solution when it comes to to, 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 to traffic um, so industry is a sort of part of that uh, sources of these particles um, uh, so this other pollutant I mentioned this toxic gas nitrogen dioxide that is largely road traffic so that is very much more road traffic related but industry can be made cleaner if it's required to. Uh, often it's just a question of cost and, 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 and firms being forced to actually put in sort of certain equipment that will clean up or trap the, 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 the air pollution before it goes out into the atmosphere. Um, so it, it's about sort of having tough requirements and tough enforcement. Um, you know, obviously a company will, if it can discharge particles and, and other air pollution into the air without any cost to itself it's it's going to do that so it's up to society it's up to, to us to have regulation to stop that um, and but the, another important thing is obviously we don't want to displace having some of these industries that might be sources of air pollution into other areas or other countries I mean that's something that can happen if you know if we have strong legislation here then some of the most polluting industries can end up in countries where there are sort of uh, the requirements aren't as strong so that's that's a sort of you know all things to be considered I mean overall we have to look at all sources of all pollutants um, and and that is a real a, a real mix, as I say, and particularly it is about combustion, and and transport is a is a uh, a key issue that 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 covers both uh, the the two main pollutants that I've talked about, and there are lots of things that need to be done about that. We you know we need to design our our neighbourhoods, our towns and cities, so we don't need to travel unnecessarily. You know, if we have all the key amenities and work opportunities within easy walking and cycling distance then that makes it it makes it easier um, and as I say something like electric vehicles are important but they're not the whole solution so we actually need to reduce car miles and, and, and how much is driven and that we can do that by by giving more space to walking and cycling making sure we've got good, good um, and affordable public transport so it's easy mm. for people to leave their car at home Mm. Um, and we shouldn't add to the problem with more traffic that you would get if you build more huge new roads. New roads generate new extra traffic. So that's not the answer. Um, and things like clean air zones, you may have heard there are various clean air zones starting to happen around the country. And they are important because they, they're restricting the dirtiest, oldest vehicles from 
the most polluted areas just to help protect our health. But it has to be made easy again for people to get rid of their dirtiest vehicles and mm. either exchange them for a clean, newer one or ideally uh, with better incentives to change to other ways to get around. So you, can, you should be able to get a rail season ticket, for example, or an electric bike if you swap in your old dirty car. Hmm. Um, so those are all things that we need to do. And, and then there's all sorts of other things like how we heat our homes, insulation, farming, and that sort of thing. But also, as I've mentioned, you know, the regulations are important. At the moment, the government is looking at a new target for these most dangerous particles. And they're saying the uh, a level that they're proposing wouldn't be met till 2040. And we're saying that's far too late. It needs to be... 2030 and also um this toxic gas i mentioned no2 that uh, the, the world health organization recently t brought down their recommended level recommended level for that much lower than we currently have so we need a new target for that so it's a mix of action but yes there are ways to do it and it's important because it's people's health but people have to have it made easy for them to do the right thing and not it shouldn't be something that's a burden it should be the natural easy thing should be the right thing that helps make the air better and our climate safer yeah i mean some good uh, some good policies they're a great manifesto i think as well um jenny thank you so much for joining us uh this uh, this afternoon it's been a pleasure speaking to you thank you pleasure thank you thank you bye-bye bye, -bye. bye. Now that was uh, that was Jenny Bates, who's a fr uh, friends of the Earth campaigner. Uh, very interesting and uh, uh, delightful talk that we had with her as well. Let's uh, let's uh, move on to our next guest, who's on the line with us as well, Harriet Wilson, who's the head of the Clean Air team and leads the senior policy and external affairs uh, uh, external affairs team at Asthma and Lung, and is also a specialist in clean air and health policy. Peace be upon you. Good afternoon and welcome to the show, Harriet. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you, thank you so much for joining us. Now, in light of the new research where it's now established that air pollution does indeed trigger lung cancer, as well as many other diseases amongst, amongst, uh, amongst people, just how important is it for us to now take urgent actions on, uh, on air pollution? It's critically important and we've known this since 2012 that um, air pollution can cause lung cancer. Mm. This is just more research showing how it's actually working in our bodies. And what is more, we know it's worsening lung conditions, COPD, asthma, leaving people hospitalised and it's also linked to things like cardiovascular disease and even dementia in recent research. Mm. So it's really, really critical that we take urgent action now. Now, if we if we keep taking the levels of air pollution for granted, what, what does that just if you just can put that into perspective for, for our listeners, what will the future look like? Well, it's going to look like a much more unequal future. Mm. It's the poorest communities with higher rates of lung conditions, heart conditions, dementia, as I've just mentioned, possibly as well. It's going to cost the UK continually billions of pounds a year hmm. um, and we know that that's already happening it, it's a drain on our health service and these things will only accumulate um, if we don't take action on the problem um, and what is more we know that it is linked to climate change as Jenny was just saying there is a lot of these sources are part of the same problem so transport emissions 
we know they're a big part of the pollution problem and a big part of our carbon emissions. So actually by cleaning up what's on our roads, we can take action across the board. Now, according to the World Health Organization, 99% of the global population actually breathes air that exceeds their own guideline limits. And with, you know, as, as we know that lung, can- lung cancer is rapidly becoming one of the most common types mm-hmm. of cancers, what initiatives are there, are being taken, or should be, should be there, should be in place to actually tackle this um, on, on a worldwide scale? It's a global health emergency. It's not just a problem in the UK. Mm. And what is more, we know it's actually the poorest countries in the world where these deaths are more prevalent as well. So yeah. um, it's often because the types of air pollution are even more toxic. Things being burnt out and open in the streets, plastic being burnt in the home, different types of sources in different countries. Mm. So governments across the world need to make sure that air pollution and health are core to their climate change ambitions, that they're setting really ambitious targets to tackle climate change and that health and ultimately people are at the centre of that. Now, also, air quality has has a link between Earth's climate and ecosystems. Now, how close is this link and can air pollution have a detrimental chain, sort of a chain reaction, not only people's health, but also on our ecosystems and actually, you know, actually Earth's climate? Absolutely. Everything is interlinked. You know, the air we breathe around us is intrinsic to our health and the planet. And, you know, the same emissions can cause the same problems. But they're also, it is quite complicated. And it's really important that policymakers make sure that planning is joined up, that it's holistic, that we don't have unintended consequences. So, for example, electric vehicles, they're really helpful for getting us uh, cleaning up what's on our roads. But actually, they still produce tiny particles, these toxic particles, still from their brakes and tyre wear. So mm. that's an example of a solution that will only get us so far in the air pollution emergency. Mm. We need planning across government departments, and this really needs to be ambitious. Now, what what advice would you like to leave with our listeners as well on how to deal with lung cancer, but also air pollution as well on a day-to-day basis? What sort of steps can we take as individuals and as a community um, to, to actually have a positive effect on this? So firstly, I would say if you're worried about air pollution at all, how it's impacting your lungs, then definitely talk to your GP, especially if you've got a lung condition. You might need to up your inhaler use. And something we can all do to reduce our exposure is try to avoid busy main roads, so mm. um, to travel on the back roads where we can. But I'm sure for many, many of your listeners, they live in a city like me, and it's hard to avoid a main road. Yeah. You know, you need yeah, to get literally. to where you want to go. Yeah. So actually, what we've all got to do is raise our voices. We've got to tell our local politicians, our national politicians, that we want urgent action. People shouldn't have to bear the brunt of this. It's up to them to do Absolutely. Absolutely. Harriet, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, the pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much and have a lovely day. Thank you. Thank you. Now that was Harriet Wilson, who is the head of the Clean Air uh, t- clean air Team and also is or leads the Senior Policy and External Affairs Team at Asthma and Lung and also is a specialist in clean air and health policy as well. Thank you so much uh, to her. Um, so it's... It is. It is uh, the need of the hour. We we need to address this. We need to raise awareness. We need to raise our voices uh, <coughs> for this as well. And the sooner the better. Because if it's too late, then you know, 
all of this, you know, lung cancer is becoming one of the most common uh, cancers. So it's very, very dangerous <coughs> for all of us. And, and now that we know how air pollution is hmm. triggering cancer, yes, and the potential treatment of having a cancer-blocking pill might be introduced, is really the most optimum solution if we live in a heavily polluted area. So obviously we need to look at um, the solutions. What what can we do? What can, how can we avoid? So um, mm. it has also been established in the past that many types of cardiovascular diseases and mortality rates in heart patients is also linked to living in a heavily polluted area. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, ninety nine percent of people in the world they live in places where the air pollution is already exceeding limits of uh, WHO yeah. guidelines. And air pollution causes over six and a half million deaths each year globally. And this number obviously is increasing. And air pollution in itself, uh, a huge crisis that we are facing worldwide. European countries have cut down their air pollution since 2010. However, it is still significantly high and causing 28 to 36,000 deaths every year alone in the UK. Yeah. And with the information that cancer is also linked to breathing, in particular, air pollution matter, uh, particulate matter 2.5, which was mentioned that it's a tiny particle which is in the polluted air, which is present in a wide range of sources, including energy production, households, industry, transport, waste, agriculture, uh, desert dust, and forest fires and particles can travel in the atmosphere for hundreds of kilometers. So anywhere it is happening, it is it is happening to you. And with all this uh, plethora of evidence, we can establish the fact that air pollution is the biggest issue that needs tackling to avoid not just cancer, but many other diseases as well. And uh, it is high on the global agenda and is widely recognized as a threat to both public health and economic progress. And according to World Health Organization, raising awareness on air pollution, implementing strategies on the matter is one of its top priorities. Yeah, as well, it should be. Yeah, of course. I, but I, I think the most important is what you and me can do. Mm. And, and and there are certain things which, we uh, which do, might, yeah. might look very small, but it is important. And uh, as, as you, you mentioned as well, that we can we can go you know when when we are traveling if we can avoid a journey we should uh, by you by know, transport or by by, by car transport, or, yeah. we can just walk uh, to the local shops we yeah. can walk to the mosque we can walk uh, yeah, you know rather than every time taking your car there if it is a walkable distance we should try or, or using cycle, a bicycle yeah. a cycle as well exactly. I think lots of people are taking up uh, bicycles and uh, you know obviously you you do an exercise as well with the bicycle uh, and that. That would also has its own uh, benefits, benefits when you are going on a cycle. Um, and you can cut down on on the car journeys as well. You can um, share a car where you can. You can switch uh, the energy supplies as well. Just mm. uh, looking at the quality, uh, avoid domestic burning if you are doing that. That is also will help uh, us. Also, you know some of the products which uh, which. Involved because the scientists have found that the animal agriculture is the largest producer of air pollutants mm. at over 50% which cause pollution not only in the air but to surface and ground waters as well so um, so by cutting down on, on, on what we are consuming we have to look mm. at it well, through what process it goes and and I think one, one very important thing uh, about which there is a 
There is a hadith, there is a tradition yeah. as well mentioned by the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He said that there is none among the Muslims who plants a tree or sows seeds and then a bird or a person or an animal eats from it, but is considered as a charitable gift for him. Hmm. So growing uh, more plants, more trees, uh, more greenery obviously is going to, to help if we can... Um, with with a better atmosphere and uh, uh, is going to improve the quality of the air, uh, and uh, obviously uh, th- there are steps which are being taken by the authorities, the local developments and policy changes that are focused on air pollution. Uh, you know, we, we hear that you know th- there is a, a U list, there is a uh, you know the yes, zone yeah. which is yeah. uh, ultra low emissions, uh, ultra low emissions. And so yeah. what is the what is the logic behind it? Uh, of course, you know people have to pay if they they go into that. Yeah. Um, that is one restriction, and people talk about it. But uh, there, there are less people who know what is the what is the logic behind it. Why is mm. it happening? Um, it is to to check the quality of the air where we are breathing, mm. and uh, um, so it is going to benefit. It's for the benefit of people. Uh, if certain steps are being taken, uh, there is a logic behind that, and one should understand that and try to contribute as much as possible so that we live in an environment which is a livable environment and which causes less harm to us absolutely absolutely i mean it's something which is uh, which is very important and his holiness the worldwide head of the ahmadiyya muslim community and the fifth caliph of the of the promised messiah upon whom be peace he has also said that where we plant physical trees to beautify and clean the environment and bear fruit we also plant spiritual trees that yield fruit of love and human and humanity. Hence, we always seek to treat our neighbors and those around us with compassion, and we endeavor to fulfill their rights in every possible way. This means that, you know, when we have uh, two fundamental duties, one to fulfill the rights of God, and the other is to fulfill the rights of mankind. And, you know, t- taking care of all of these things, taking care of air pollution, making sure that we're walking when we can, making sure that, we, that we're not causing any sort of pollution, whether it's air pollution, whether it's even noise pollution or light pollution, any other sort, sort of pollution, but specifically talking about uh, uh, you know, air pollution right now and how that, that can have, have an effect on you physically, uh, internal organs can get affected. So that's fulfilling the rights of God. If we are taking care of these things, if we are trying our best to reduce these as much as possible, we're playing our part as well. But obviously, of course, all the policymakers, all the all the all the you know the MPs, local councillors, mayors, people who are in authority, if we speak to them with urge and tell them that yes, this is this is what we want. This is definitely what you know what our town, our city needs, what our country needs then you know new policies can be introduced and policies can be amended for the betterment of society as well today natural disasters are pre- uh, you know prevalent and there is a uh, you know destruction on the world as well storms and hurricanes and all of these are actually from various types of you know pollutants uh, as well now on a larger scale you know we need to try our best to you know to uh, to do our bit to, to play our part, to play our role and only when we come together in this uh, in this uh, sort of particular aspect of this field, then we can sort of progress in society uh, as well. As I mentioned before that the fundamental part of religion 
or it can be divided into two major categories. One is to fulfill the rights of God and one is to fulfill the rights of mankind. And both of these things are very, very much important. If we do this, we can actually live in a better place as well. Join us after the break. Peace be upon you. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the Drive Time Show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. Um, we're, we're talking about uh, a different topic in this part of the show. We are going to be speaking about something which is very, very much important. In the first part of the show, we did speak about uh, about air pollution and how different things can cause air pollution as well, and also how it can lead to cancer, lung cancer in particular. And we spoke to some guests who actually t- told us and gave us some uh, some words of advice as well on what we can do. Um, not just at a, at a local level and an individual level, but also at a national and an international level, different policies that we can introduce, how we can better the, you know, be, better the sort of the, 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 the air pollution that is actually there. We can actually decrease it as much as possible as well. But of course, you know, it's a, it's a very long process. You can't just do it at, like that. You can't just do it at a click of a finger. It will take some time as well to actually uh, to reduce, but also different small steps that we can actually take as well that can actually make a very very big difference in the future, um, or it can slow the process of uh, of air pollution as well. And um, swiftly moving on to the next uh, the next topic that we're going to be speaking, which is also very very much important, teachers. Now, from the day a child is born, they interact and learn from various teachers throughout their lifetime. Their first, their first sort of teacher is their, is their parents, followed by teachers at school and the company that we surround ourselves in. If you think about it, from you know, a child, whenever a child is born, all the way up to you know, from the cradle to the death, man, or of course man and woman, they are increasing in their knowledge. They're, they're seeking knowledge and they should strive to seek knowledge as well. You know, it's actually a saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that a true believer is he who seeks knowledge from the cradle all the way to the grave. And it tells us that there's no one who knows everything. There's no one who knows absolutely everything or every single little minute detail of every single uh, uh, knowledge, anything, you know, every single topic that, that or subject that's actually there. There's always going to be some new things, some new discoveries, or some information that you just don't know. And we, we, you know, we should try our best, our level best, to increase our knowledge as well. Now, today is the World Teachers' Day, which celebrates all teachers uh, around around the globe. And this day commemorates the anniversary of adopting the UNESCO recommendation concerning the status of teachers. The status of te- of teachers. Now. This set, uh, this set the benchmark for the rights and responsibilities of teachers, uh, standards for preparation and further education, recruitment, employment and teaching and learning conditions as well. 
directors from UNESCO commented on this uh, on this event and called it an opportunity to celebrate the critical role of teachers in transforming learners' potential by ensuring that they have tools that they have the tools that they need to take responsibility for themselves and the planet as well. Also, the leadership of teachers in transforming education is the theme of this year's World Teachers Day. Organizations are collectively calling on governments to invest in trust and respect teachers. At the address at the UNESCO headquarters in in Paris 2019, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmed Mayalabi's helper, the fifth caliph of the promised Messiah upon whom be peace, stated in his speech that Islam is criticized to be a backward religion that does not promote intellectual advancement. His Holiness said that this is a lazy stereotype that is based on fiction rather than fact. It is a baseless allegation. The Holy Quran itself has signified the importance of education by teaching the prayer, Rabbi Zidni Ilma, O my Lord, increase me in knowledge. Chapter 20, verse 115. Now, where this prayer is a source of great help to not just Muslims, but anyone who actually believes in God and prays in this way as well, it also inspires them towards learning and advancing the cause of human knowledge as well. Now, teaching is one of the most respected and valued positions, uh, professions of the world. A teacher is always considered as, as a highly honorable person in every religion, any major religion that you actually talk about or speak about. They will say that teachers, your, your teacher, has a, a, very high, a very high value. You should respect them. You should appreciate them. You should seek knowledge from them. No matter from you know which religion or society that you belong to, you always you should always show respect and honor, um, you know those people who teach you anything. In His Holiness, His Holiness also said that may Allah be His helper that education serves purpose when it affects the heart in a positive way, when it enlightens the person and motivates him or her towards doing good and may, and taking care of others' feelings as well. We were fortunate enough to uh, to interview Gashfa Gashfa Say, who's a part-time teacher and student majoring in biology with education as a minor. Um, let's listen. Let's listen to what Gashfa had to say about this. What makes a good teacher? Um, I think the best quality a teacher can have is to be compassionate towards the students and have the passion of teaching. And making sure that your knowledge is being passed on to the students and and that they're actually learning. Um, one thing I learned with my experience is that you should always have your um, lectures prepared beforehand so that when you're uh, in the class, you can actually focus on each and every one of your students. And um, another thing I learned with experience is that every student is different and um, they have their own learning pace and their own way of learning and looking at things. Um, there are some students who are good at making connection with the teacher by themselves. And then, and then there are others who are shy and don't come up, uh, come at the front by themselves, don't ask questions. But, but it doesn't mean that they cannot learn or they're not learning anything or that they're any slower. It's the job of the teacher to approach these students and mm-hmm. providing them with 
um, any help that they need. So keeping everything in mind, I would say a good teacher is the one who is better at passing their knowledge onto the students and they're able to realize any problems that can come up in this regard and and they can come up with creative ways to make sure that mm -hmm. each and every student is actually learning. Yes, thank you. Um, and with your experience as a teacher, how do you think a teacher can transform education? Um, so I think um, if if there's a need to transform education, then uh, then there is definitely fault in the system somewhere, right? And the first step towards transforming the educational system is, I think, to be able to realize what the fault is. Mm -hmm. um, for example, um, every teacher has their own way of teaching, right? So some teachers like to build, let's say, a competitive environment in the class, but then there are other teachers who, who don't like this idea at all. So we can't always make others agree with what with what we think is the best way of teaching so mm -hmm. to transform education i would say um try to become an example um implement what you think is the best way to teach according to you mm -hmm. and when your fellow teachers will see um you as a good example they'll learn they'll uh, implement implement your ideas into their classes as well mm -hmm. and um also have a discussion about educational system with your fellow teachers um, and talk about what can be made better with your um, uh, what can be made better uh, uh, with your fellow teachers. So I think that that would be a good start into transforming the educational system at personal level. And another thing I want to mention is that to transform a system, you have to make sure that your voice is heard. So if you think that something could be changed for better, then you have to make sure that your message is reaching to the people who can actually change the system. Yep. Do you think teachers are only found in classrooms? Mm, well, um, some people think of teaching as just a job, but but that's not the right way of looking at it. Um, I think that every follower of our holy prophet, peace be upon him, is a teacher because teaching isn't just in a classroom setting, but most of the teaching is done outside the class but by being a good example for others. So our, um, our Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, um, is the best example for mankind. Because if you look at what prophets have to do, they're basically teachers, right? And and yeah. they're the best teachers because they're the people who make the biggest reform in the society by teaching others the right way. And then, and then there is Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, who is the best of the prophets and thus best teacher. Um, and thousands and millions of people become became better just by trying to follow his footsteps. Mm -hmm. And as human beings, I think we're attracted to beauty. And when we see someone who is morally beautiful, we um, we consciously and unconsciously try to become like them. So I think everyone can be a good teacher by setting an example for those around us. And then um, another thing is that um, is the approach that Holy Prophet peace be upon him. Uh, to teach people. He, mm -hmm. he would teach little children, boys, girls, men, women, and, er and elderly. Sometimes he would teach one person, sometimes a few, and sometimes a large group. And yeah. he took many different approaches to teach them. And I think that real learning 
and progressing is not just about learning what's in your school curriculum, but also um, become morally better in every way possible. So yeah, everyone can be a teacher by first leaving a beautiful example for others. And second, by knowing how to teach others directly by following the examples of the best teacher of all, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And what are your thoughts on technology replacing human teachers? Um, I think both sides have their ups and downs. So looking at technology, I think it's a useful resource of learning yeah. uh, when it comes to learning a wide range of topics that that a single teacher with multiple students cannot cover in a one-hour lecture. So yeah. it, it's very useful for curious students who want to learn and know more. And also every student can learn at their own pace with technology. So that's a good thing. But yeah. looking at the downside, um, technology can be very distractive, which disturbs the learning experience. So, and then if we look at the um, other side, so if we look at the upsides of having a human teacher, they can yeah. simply tell you when you're making a mistake and, and guide you better. So for example, let's say some, someone's learning how to swim with technology. Let's say they're watching a YouTube video and yeah. when they're actually, um, trying to swim, they're making a mistake, but that YouTube video won't tell them what they're doing wrong or what they need to change exactly. Mm-hmm. But a human will, right? They'll guide you and tell exactly how to improve or what to change. So in short, to conclude, I would just say that I don't think technology can replace a human teacher, but it is definitely a useful and uh, extra perk which can enhance the learning experience. That was very insightful. Thank you. That was uh, that was uh, an interview of Kashfa uh, Said, who's a part-time teacher and studying, uh, majoring, uh, a student majoring in biology with education as a minor. Uh, very interesting uh, listening to her. Um, now there are you know ways in which we can uh, you know, I mean of course you know before we actually spoke to her. We spoke about how important it is for for you know in, in not just major religions but in all societies wherever you go there is also there is always this teaching of respecting your your elders as well as respecting your teachers yeah there's an interesting saying by Mahatma Gandhi and says that I have always felt that the true textbook for the pupil is his teacher hmm. So that's where he la- learns the most. Mm. So b- because uh, the student, you know, right from the beginning, obviously you have a, uh, a relation of respect with the teachers, and and they serve uh, as a role model for for all the students, and everybody mm. is, a, is a student. And um, so so the the better the teacher is, um, the the best outcome comes from from that, that the kind of teacher you have had That's true. and you will always remember that that people who uh, i remember that uh, professor abdul salam the nobel prize winner of the physics nobel prize uh, he he went all the way to india and uh, there he went and visited his teacher mm. a primary teacher who had taught him mathematics mm probably uh, in Lahore and uh, at that time and but now he was uh, he was obviously very old and very before the uh, uh, yeah he visited him and he shook hands with him and and spent some time and and thanked him and and he he told him that uh, it is you who deserve this Nobel Prize because it's because of you 
that I have been able to uh, achieve what I have achieved. Mm. So, so it's that that sort of uh, you know uh, relationship. You know, with it's, the, tr- with it's, the it's true because uh, sometimes you you there, there's a subject that you might like only because the way that you were taught it by the teacher. Yeah, 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 and yeah, if yeah, that, that same subject is taught by someone else. You 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 wouldn't Ab- you dislike absolutely <laughs> absolutely that's very true. Um, I mean, you develop a a, a certain liking of the yeah. subject, which is just because of the the way the the teacher teaches you. Exactly, so it's very very important. Yeah, exactly exactly. Now, statistically, up to eighty five million teachers are employed globally, and just for pri- and this is just for primary and secondary education. An extra sixty eight point eight million teachers will be needed to be hired by 2030 you know the, of course uh, you know the, the world population is going up as well uh, we need eight uh, 68.8 million more teachers um, by 2030 so we've got eight years for that moreover 20 million are needed to increase uh, access to primary and secondary education and 49 million are needed to replace those who have uh, who have leave who have left their left their job According to other research, a significant factor influencing children's learning and well-being is the caliber of the teachers. Um, and it, an increase in uh, in pupil learning over many school years can result with from switching from a subpar instructor to a, a fantastic one. Um, sometimes, you know, it, it is it is sometimes the teacher how how they are how they sort of interact with the students, how they teach the subject and uh, how they sort of inspire, uh, you know, young minds as well. Additionally, excellent instructors have a significant effect on students' overall well-being throughout their life as well, influence not only their academic performance, but also other long-term social and occupational results uh, as well. Now, from the from the perspective of, uh, of, a, of a student, or, you know, sort of how can we how can we sort of uh, incite them how can we sort of uh, I think these these, uh, questions were answered by one of our uh, guests we got uh, an interview recorded and we can play that yes that's yeah uh, that's uh, from uh, from uh, Myra Mahmood who is a fourth year uh, student uh, completing a uh, science degree at the University of Toronto. Uh, you know, talking about all of these uh, questions, sort of the perspective of a student. What would you say that makes a good teacher? And various different things that we can actually um, listen to as well. Talking about the education system, and of course the responsibility. How much responsibility does a teacher have in building their their students' future as well? So let's listen to that uh, right now. Do you think teachers? are an integral part of society. Absolutely. I mean, students and especially children, like when they're young and they're going to school, they're spending most of their days at school with their teachers, right? So Mm -hmm. teachers have a really important part in socializing the children and kind of teaching them values um, and the ways of society. So it's very important like the role of a teacher and the responsibility that a teacher has. Um, But just coming back to the question here, absolutely, teachers are a very integral part of society. Yeah, thank you. From the perspective of a student, what would you say makes a good teacher? 
Um, I think that as a student, you want your teacher to be someone who's approachable. Um, and I don't just mean that like someone who, um, for example, if I'm a girl, I would want like another female teacher. But I think that you want your teacher to be someone who's like empathetic. And so they seem to be very like welcoming, uh, especially in the younger grades um, where you kind of still don't understand like that you have to go to school and learn things. And so um, you want the teacher to have this quality where they can make the children feel like they can share their opinions and ask questions if they need to. Um, and then beyond that, I think that a teacher needs to be someone who makes a safe space in the classroom. So it's not just about the student's relationship with the teacher, but um, the student's relationship with their peers and then how that whole community, including the teachers, get along. Um, so I think that a good teacher is someone who um, makes good connections with their students individually and also makes sure that their students have good connections with each other. Yeah, definitely. Uh, can you suggest any improvements for the current education system? Um, so I'm here in Canada and our education system is a little bit um, separated in that each province here has their own system. Um, it's generally the same. So it's like kindergarten to grade 12 is public education. And right. then after that, the higher education, you know, is is paid for. Um, um, I can yeah. suggest a lot of things. <laughs> okay. I think that if, our, if I were to say um, some things in particular, I guess towards like the younger grade. So when you're in like the preschool, kindergarten and, and up to your grade 12, I would say that it's really important um, that students who need more support are given that support at an appropriate time. And I think that if that is done, it would um, really help children move forward in their lives. So when they get to um, higher studies, they're not struggling at that point. So if a student needs some sort of resources, if they perhaps are not learning at the same speed as others, I think it's really important that our education system recognizes that each student that's coming in is different. They each have different abilities. So everyone should be, you know, given the correct resources that they need in order for them to succeed. Yeah. And how much responsibility does a teacher have in building their students' um, future? Yeah. And I think I touched upon this a little bit in like yeah. the first question, but um, I am a student of psychology. So I am doing psychology in university. So nice. I... I know absolutely how much a teacher, um, how much a teacher will affect the student and, and how they end up growing up. Um, there's lots of theories on it, but the applications are seen as well. So I can even see it like between myself and my brother. My brother is nine years younger than me. So the mm. education system, um, it's the same system that we both went through, but the curriculum has changed so much, right? So I can see the differences between like his education that he's getting versus the one that I was getting. And I guess it's important to, to note as well that like there wasn't a lot of like tech stuff when I was in school. Like we went to the computer lab and, you know, we practiced typing and stuff, but it was a lot more like face to face interactions and not so much like let's look at the slideshow all the time. Like there's more whiteboards and blackboards used. Um, yeah. So, yeah, even in that sense, I can see like how much the children are different, like per cohort. So mine versus like my brother's. 
Um, and I think that teachers are really the ones who kind of like shape the children, right? So they, um, even from like personal experience, one time a teacher had told me like, you'd be a really good lawyer. And so that kind of planted that seed in my head that, um, what's a lawyer? How can I be a lawyer? What do lawyers do, right? Yeah. If a teacher had told me something different, maybe I would have thought something different, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that the teacher's responsibility in, in the students' future is honestly really great. And there is a lot of pressure on teachers. Like we can't sugarcoat that. It does exist. Um, so for those who um, are pursuing teaching, I would say best of luck. Um, mm -hmm. But honestly, like it is really rewarding then, right? When you see yeah. the children that you have taught grow up and, and, you know, achieve the things that they want to. So Going back to the question, the responsibility is very great. I think that's a good way to like sum it all up. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that it's just important for teachers to, you know, kind of understand like that the students are always looking at them. So again, it comes back to how like they do have um, a lot of responsibility to kind of make sure that they're setting a good example for students. Yeah. Um, but yeah, students will kind of like, especially children, they absorb everything, right? Yeah. So it's it's really like whatever the teacher is saying to them, they're going to absorb that in one way or another. So the responsibility there is pretty big. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. That was Myra Mahmoud, who is a fourth year student uh, completing a science degree at the University of Toronto. Thank you so much to her uh, as well. Um. There's a saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Seeking knowledge is a is a duty, is incumbent upon every Muslim man and every Muslim woman. And this is from a very authentic uh, uh, Hadith book, Sahih Muslim. Now, the Holy Quran, as well as the traditions, the sayings, the practice of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, are such that it promotes it promotes education. It promotes higher education, and not just for not just for the male members, but for the female members as well. Not just for the Muslim men, but for the Muslim women as well. Even we can see examples that when when they were um, you know when there were defensive wars and they were prisoners of those wars as well. If those prisoners, if they knew how to read and write. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, even told them that, okay, if you want to become free, you can even earn yourself, you can earn yourself uh, a sort of a living by teaching the Muslims, teaching the population, teaching the public how to read, how to write, how to be literate. And because of this, if you do this, then you will be free. You will be set free. You won't be a prisoner anymore. So this was, you know, this was a practice. And this promotes education. This promotes uh, uh, literacy this promotes you know uh, the whole society being a better person the more you know the more knowledge you have the more you read the more you write the more the more uh, knowledgeable you will be the more peace loving as well you will be the more you would appreciate things around you and also the more you will know about God Almighty as he is you know uh, Al Alim the all know the all knowing um, this is why you know in the beginning of the show I I reminded uh, the the listeners about there's a very beautiful prayer in the Holy Quran that the that Allah the Almighty has actually taught us, Rabbi Zidni Ilma, which is, Oh my Lord, increase me in knowledge. 
And since, you know, ever since the children are very young in the Muslim household, even young children are taught this prayer so that they can increase in their knowledge and benefit from, uh, you know, from from school, from teachers, from uh, tuition centers and all of these uh, different things as well. Now, many the, people, you know, they yeah. think that, uh, you know, this, uh, the lack of um, facilities and the failed education systems, they are, they are not fault of the teachers, uh, as it is the responsibility of the policy makers. And uh, of course, they, they play the major role of, you know, uh, the mm. way the system runs. And, and many countries, you see the difference between um, the developed countries and uh, the developing, the countries, developing countries, where people, uh, you know, the the importance is not given, particularly on the on the very basic primary education mm. um, and the secondary education. Of course, I mean they uh, they they do have uh, systems where they when you go into the professionalism, they they do have a certain standards because they have to meet those standards uh, by law but uh, <coughs> I think the importance um, to the basics is that is what is lacking there even in in the in this in the most advanced systems here you see that sometimes the, the uh, there are not uh, enough uh, facilities there are uh, failure of policies which leads to of course poor consequences such as the lack of management there's lack of support uh, the pro- recruitment problems and uh, preparation and encouragement of teachers is which is very very important because mm. um, I think that's that's just a major step that once in the society we uh, we recognize the importance of teacher and then give a due uh, status to the teacher uh, and and that will help to produce better teachers and if we have better teachers that is going to improve the education um, as a whole because uh, that is uh, if the uh, there is improvement in the teachers working conditions there are more people are likely to get into this uh, this field and uh, and we are going to have a better a better teachers uh, and uh, better uh, policies obviously will lead to more people um, are uh, recruited into this department um, we know and uh, that was mentioned before as well that the um, all the prophets they they have a job and that uh, job is to teach others because they come with an agenda hmm. of uh, guiding people they are appointed as a guide and of course they um, it's god almighty who chooses them so they have the inherent ability of teaching people and that's why that's one reason they are, they are chosen of course because they are the most righteous people but allah guides them and they are supposed hmm. to do this most important job and I think that's the best job anybody can have, and it's the most difficult job, is to train people, to train others. Um, people can can change themselves, mm. they can improve themselves, yeah. um, they can have a relationship uh, with God Almighty themselves, but how to teach this to others, that is the important task. And the best among the teachers, of course, was the Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, mm. may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And uh, if I can refer to one of the verses which is uh, mentioned in in um, chapter al jumuah um, and that is uh, where it is mentioned that that he is the one uh, who has been raised among the unlettered people and he is the one who purifies you and teaches you hmm. 
See, so so he has been mentioned as a teacher. He teaches you the verses of the Holy Quran, the teachings of the Holy Quran. So, uh, so he purifies you. Of course, that is in addition. So every teacher has to play a role that he is able to. Um, of course, his character uh, as he is the role model for the students. Mm. So, so his character influences the his teaching. Yeah, yeah. So, so that is going to affect. Uh, the people, how effective is what mm. he's, he's, uh, what he's telling others to do, and uh, um, of course he's, he's conveying the knowledge to people. And uh, the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he was acting upon the teachings of the Holy Quran, and uh, he was uh, he was a perfect uh, character, and he was an ex- excellent example, as is mentioned in the Holy Quran itself, uh, as the Holy Quran says, and who is better in speech than he who invites men to Allah? Hmm. and does good works and says I am surely of those who submit and uh, that is from the Holy Quran chapter 41 verse 31 uh, and uh, of course the Holy Prophet may peace be and blessings of Allah be upon him was the authentic uh, demonstration of this commandment of God absolutely absolutely um, let's get uh, let's get our next guest who is on the line with us uh, Farhana Khan who is a secondary school science uh, science teacher Asalaamu Alaikum peace be upon you Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Welcome, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Do you think there can be a transformation in the sort of the education system through through the work of teachers alone? Um, I think to an extent they can help with you know the progress of students and the education system but it all comes a i mean the government is in charge of the whole education system Hmm. but also parents of children um it's really important that not only are teachers working hard but also parents carers all around the community society as a whole is um working hard to get the education system to what it should be and that includes all the people in power mps etc um so i think not through the efforts of teachers alone because we're just the middlemen um facing the students but actually the people who are in charge need to be take more initiative and um come and see what it's like and see what needs to be done Mm. and there's only so much that a teacher's voice has had Mm. yeah yeah as a teacher, though, w- what efforts do you sort of make uh, to get the best out of your students? So, um, of course, we, you know, have we plan our lessons ahead of time, um, have all these resources that we build out over all, over the years, um, and getting students into school, caring about them, building relationships is all really, really important to get the best out of our students but it's also important that the students make an effort as well um i think people <clears throat> often say that you only become a teacher because you actually care not for the money um and mm-hmm. that's actually true because a lot more of your time is spent on planning um dealing with other things so actually it is about you are putting a lot more effort in more above your pay grade let me just say mm. um, and to get the best out of your students but sometimes that's not reciprocated and that's okay but you have to understand that you are trying your best um, to make get get your students to do their best 
I mean, sometimes being a teacher can be a very tiresome, uh, uh, you know, sort of a responsibility or a job uh, as well. You know, just like you mentioned, all the planning most of the time is just is just in planning as well. Sometimes yeah. teachers even have to teach students basic morals or just ethics as yeah. well, instead of just actually teaching the subject that they are that they're teaching them as well. Yeah, is, isn't isn't that the case sometimes in schools? Yes. Definitely. I think sometimes you'll find that, you know, you want to talk about whatever topics. So I'm a science teacher, so we'll be studying something like solids, liquids and gases with the younger years. Mm. But actually, instead of that, I'm, I might be dealing with a bit of grammar. I might be dealing with actually you don't hit people. You don't say mean things, um, you know, especially with your sevens coming mm. from primary school. They're quite... Um, they like to put the hand up like, oh, miss, they said this. And I'm mm. like, actually, we need to concentrate on the work. But, you know, and like build those kind of qualities in our children as well. Mm. Um, so it's difficult because you either focus on the moral good or your subject, which they also need to know. And they both go hand in hand. So sometimes you're like, I don't know what to do. What should I focus on? You have to brush that aside. Um, yeah. So it is difficult to make that decision then in the moment. Um, but yeah. I mean, it's very commendable work, uh, you know, what teachers actually go through and actually the process, the whole process as well, dealing with the dealing with the kids. As you mentioned, as young as year seven as well, they can be quite a bit <laughs> naggy sometimes as well. But then obviously yeah. when they get older, then different things come in as well. So there's also a yeah. lot of th- different things. Um, what's your opinion on, on, on computers replacing teachers? Obviously, you know, there can be some positives but negatives as well, isn't it? Um, yeah, so I think that on a whole, a computer could never really replace a teacher because yeah. uh, so much of being a teacher is reactive yeah. and you are, so when you're teaching something, if some a student, a few students are on time, you need to go back and, you know, cover that again or explain it in a different way. And I think a computer cannot, cannot manage that reaction mm. and then also act on what needs to be done to help those students get the best out of that lesson um and i think i always i've I've always been told in my training as well that you are more you're more reactive teaching than you are teaching you might go in assuming that you know you're going to do this but actually as soon as you start you find out actually they don't know what they needed to know to learn the next thing so you're going back and covering that rather than moving on so i think with computers finding out that gap or figuring out actually no this can't be done yet we need to go back like I don't think it's possible Mm. so I think um I don't think um computers can replace teachers and I don't unless we get amazing technology um it doesn't seem like it's possible right now yeah (laughs) absolutely absolutely um Something which uh, you know, which we just went through as well, the, the whole COVID period and classes online and everything. Well, that must have been a difficult sort of uh, time, isn't it? Uh, with students not physically being there, of, of course, for yourself being a science teacher, how are you supposed to th- show them different experiments and yeah. that that sort of stuff, isn't it? it? Must have been a difficult time. Yeah, it was really difficult, and especially there was issues of course there's those cliche issues the wi-fi you can't get on Mm. um but then it's also those students who didn't really have access to internet at home um it was or they didn't have computers and ipads to join the lesson and also what happened was a lot of students now missed out on key knowledge that they needed 
um, to progress in the further years. But actually, you'll find yourself covering previous years' content, but because of COVID, no fault to them mm. or you, mm. um, you have to cover a lot more than you would have originally um, for that year group. So I think there's a lot of back teaching, like I was saying, about those gaps that you find in your lesson where actually they didn't understand this um, because it was during COVID when they were supposed to learn it, but they really didn't. You can't really check their work. There's only so much you can check their understanding over a, a um, Teams meeting. Hmm. Um, so I think you find a lot more gaps because of COVID as well. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's, it's good that we've gone sort of past that. Uh, stage as well now where you know students have coming back to the schools as well physically being active uh, being present in the school in the classroom yeah. as well um, talking about talking about developing countries as well what can we do how can we work towards sort of you know reducing the large number of, 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 of children in developing countries that don't even have access to to education um, I think the best thing you can do i know there's initiatives you know for teachers to be who live here train here and then go and get jobs in these countries Mm. but i think the best thing to do is train people already in that country leaving your home leaving your family your country is a really big step that some people are willing to make but not a lot not a lot of people are willing to make especially in the teaching profession so i think that the first thing we should do is try and train up teachers or train up people living in those countries um, and train them well and I think creating that system will help um, will help those developing countries to get an access to an education um, and hopefully free education and um, will improve their life as well. Absolutely absolutely. Farhana Khan thank you so much for joining us this afternoon it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you. So the basic lesson of t- for training pinpointed by the Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is the sincerity of intention. Mm. He said that all the good deeds, they depend on good intentions. And he also said that God does not look at a person's physical or financial position or his appearance. Mm. He looks upon the hearts and treats people according to taqwa, according to the fear of mm. God they have. Mm. And uh, a significant method employed by the Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, for training was winning over the hearts of people with love and kindness. Mm. So, you see, when you are associated with people, you develop that kind of relationship, which is a friend friendly relationship relationship, and uh, and then you start trusting I think the first thing that teacher needs is to develop the trust of the the students Mm. Uh, and if they develop the trust then whatever they say they are going to follow that and they are going to follow the instructions which are given by the teacher uh, once they develop that kind of of a trust Uh, and and, uh, the, the Holy Quran has also taught us the very basic basics of teaching anybody anything and and that is that uh, when you are uh, inviting people towards God um, you invite with Udo ila sabili rabbika bil hikmate that's the wisdom hikmate wal mawizatil hasana and with the uh, with the best of the manner mm. uh, is, is, is the way you approach somebody mm. 
Um, so, so that is uh, that is what a teacher has to do: is that uh, his approach, how how he approaches people, and how uh, uh, you know he can he can influence uh, the child. Uh, is there is always a wisdom, and there is a there is a hadith, there is a tradition of the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him, um, and it's uh, related by Muawiyah bin Hakam. Hmm. Who has related that uh, once I had the opportunity to offer salat, that's the prayers with the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Uh, and during salat, uh, uh, and he he was obviously doing uh, the formal prayers. Mm. A person sneezed, and obviously uh, I said, "May Allah have mercy on you." Um, you you and there is no no harm saying that, and that is what is recommended that you should you should say that. But because they were doing these prayers, he mm. was right in the middle of prayers, mm. and and then uh, maybe pro- probably it was a reactive thing that he did. Yeah. Uh, so people uh, they uh, they gave gave me few furtive looks and. Uh, you know, strange looks, strange but, uh, looks yeah. yeah, and and struck their thighs in amazement, and I felt that they were they were acting in this way to silence me. I I fell silent after the prayer. The Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he called me. I have never seen a better teacher than him. He did not strike me or scold me. He only said, it is not permissible to say anything else during Salat. It is solely for remembrance of Allah. So, he yeah. is praise and expression of his greatness. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, in a kind of way, he uh, his approach uh, oh. was such that, that, so that he doesn't feel it. Hmm. Uh, and that's very very important that rather than you know uh, scolding him and saying oh, what were you doing yeah. you don't know anything and <laughs> and many times we see in the life of the holy prophet may peace yeah. and blessings of allah be upon him is a, that uh, you know he has he's taught in such a manner that um, he has taken care of the self respect of that person hmm. and that has uh, that has made um, the other not only uh, to understand what he wanted to to tell them, but mm-hmm. also um, to leave a lot of respect in their hearts uh, about uh, him, uh, who was who was telling him, and, and exactly. that that is, a, that is a common observation that when if you do that, people would um, give you a lot of respect and and will also uh, understand what you are saying. You know, it, it, this is very important. You know that uh, those teachers or whoever is a teacher. That they show this, you know, good example uh, as well as the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He, just like you said, he he taught people, he taught the companions, um, you know, ethics, morals, spirituality, um, you know, the wisdom behind, you know, the word of uh, of God Almighty, and he did all of these things with the practice as well. It wasn't just. It wasn't just teaching; it was practice as well, practicing what 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 you preach. And he, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of uh, you know, teachers and whatever you know, in, in the secular world or in the advanced world as well, they 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 talk about morals and ethics, but sometimes you see that they they are indulging in those vices as well, and they're not even practicing those uh, those morals and those ethics as well, and their moral conduct. Um, the moral compass is, you know, is you know, is on the other side, pointing towards the other direction. It's uh, sometimes you, they know that they are doing something wrong, but they still, they still do the the, the wrong thing as well. Now, this is the, this is the difference. 
Uh, and um, uh, as I mentioned earlier, is is that um, uh, the job of a teacher is 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 a very holy job hmm. because this is the job of the of the prophets, and therefore it should be considered as a sacred job because is the future of a nation is in the hands of teacher. Hmm. Um, is uh, uh, I, I'm just uh, it, it comes from my mind uh, uh, one of the couplets you mm. know which says that afsos ke firan ko college ki nasuji it says that uh, you know uh, the job of uh, Pharaoh would have been much easier if if only he had put some teachers who could teach the children mm. the the way he wanted them to 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 be so if he had thought of that that means that the future can be uh, modified by the teachers mm. so that is why their job is very very important that's why uh, we were talking earlier about the policies that it is very important um, that the teachers are given the due um, honor and respect in the society and their living conditions uh, should be such that they are not worried about uh, <coughs> you know how how are you how are they going to survive and uh, mm. uh, you know putting under putting them under pressure although uh, you know we have seen it even even these most advanced countries um like the uk people the teachers have been uh, under a lot of stress mm. um yeah. even even financially they have been under stress and uh, <coughs> if their needs are not looked after then obviously they are they are worried about those things and mm. uh, they can't con- concentrate on what they are they are going to do yeah. uh, and of course that uh, that the policies there should be a balance between um, the students and the teachers as well the, about the behavior how they can uh, be approached how uh, because on the, on the on a on a small thing sometimes uh, you know people are complaining uh, uh, of course there are there are very um, uh, strong policies now which have been um, uh, they are in place uh, but uh, they go sometimes to the other extreme mm. where the teachers cannot work uh, freely and independently because they are always worried that you know the, uh, this this person can complain about me this yeah. can be um, so that uh, uh, kind of uh, attitude which we used to have as I as far as I can remember that when we were children we had uh, <clears throat> you know the, the the parents would say oh he's all yours <laughs> you know you can yeah, do what, you can whatever do, because do they had a complete yeah. trust and and uh, and I remember that even after schools sometimes we we, we used to have uh, you know tuition classes and uh, my, my my father was a teacher mm. and uh, and I've seen him uh, being respected out of that mm. uh, he had a great honor because uh, in the area where he was you know almost everybody where, where in whatever office he went there was some of his, some uh, of his students uh, students was there and he would stand up uh, like a commissioner and mm. uh, deputy commissioner and uh, different officials mm. and uh, obviously my my father wouldn't remember all of them but they would remember him they would remember him and they, they would give him a lot of respect and honor and uh, and uh, i remember one one of uh, one of the doctors uh, i once visited i happened to visit uh, his home uh, he was um, unfortunately later on he was martyred uh, being mm. an md and he was uh, 
बट आई आई सो वॉट वॉज ही वॉज वेरी वेरी पॉपुलर एंड दैट वॉज वन वन रीजन वाई ही वॉज मॉटेड एज वेल बिकॉज ऑफ दैलसी बिजनेस जेलसी ही इन्वाइटेड माई फादर एंड आई हैपन टू टू विजिट हिज होम राइट एंड एंड वैन वी वेंट टू हिज होम ओबियसली ही वॉज वेरी एट दैट टाइम ही वॉज अ वेरी पॉपुलर डॉक्टर एंड ही वॉज अ वेरी इन इन अ वेरी गुड पोजिशन एंड सो ही वुड नॉट सिट on a on a chair in mm. front of my father he sat mm. down on the carpet mm. he said no this is not my position <laughs> i'm not going to <laughs> sit equal to you <laughs> so is that yeah. kind of respect and it can only come from your heart yeah when you yeah. realize that this is a person who has changed my life listen yeah as he quoted earlier about dr abdul salam that the, mm. your respect comes from your heart once we see that this is this is a person who has guided me and what what i am today is because of him absolutely absolutely now in his concluding address to to a large gathering of muslim children and teenagers at an educational camp his holiness the worldwide head of the ahmadiyya muslim community the fifth caliph of the promised messiah upon whom be peace may allah be his helper <laughs> has said that do not waste these golden educational opportunities but instead grasp them and seek to achieve excellence in your chosen field of interest whether it is science or other subjects and he also said in one of uh, the keynote address uh, to UNESCO ahmadi muslim girls across the world are educated and are excelling in various fields they are becoming doctors teachers uh, architects and engin- uh, and entering other professions through which they can serve humanity we ensure that girls are given equal access to education as boys hence the literacy rate of ah- of ahmadi muslim girls in the developing world is at least 99% something which is you know we should be be very proud about uh, as well but as our show for today very interesting a very jam packed show Uh, as well very informative with some very very interesting topics uh, if you missed it you can you know come back on our soundcloud and listen to the show there again but uh, thank you to our producers for today amtul bari mutin khan and tahrim muzammil as well and uh, the technical uh, uh, in the technical room as well akib uh, akib ahmed thank you to him and uh, always always a pleasure to present 